Everybody and welcome to episode 382 of the Siren Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my scheming co-hosts Peter and Jake. That's right, Kurt. Um, this week is the functional air conditioning edition of the cast. It's you don't think you'd need it at this point, but I do, and I have it. I definitely do have it, and it's definitely not sweltering in here right now um you can see by my the matte coating on my skin that's reflecting nothing <laughs> it's absorbing you, all the light did you know like every every degree hotter that it is in like a school uh know, maybe this is just for like children um every degree hotter that it gets it accounts for about a one percent decrease in like knowledge learned knowledge points gained i mean yeah i i I think stupid i i I do i have felt the stupid hot phenomenon um many times uh in in my life where i'm just like it is too hot to think my cpu can can we put the fan in the back of nothing else is except um how fucking hot it is yeah apparently there's been a some some news going around about um, some of the northern schools in the U.S. U.S. that are experiencing pretty large heat waves going into the uh, school season, and they just do not have the AC to keep up. Those buildings were were made to be like, yeah, no, it's September and it's twenty. Right, time I to mean, learn. Get your parkas. It's warm. If you know, if it's anything like my school, it's probably still using uh, AC systems from the eighties. Yeah. Well, I one school district was like, oh, well, let's just buy individual units for the classrooms and cool them down that way if our system can. And they're like, no, 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 you can't. You can't. It's going to put too much stress on the grid. It's going to too much electricity. So they have a just a warehouse full of purchased ready to use AC in window units. <laughs> and 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 a whole oh, good. Classrooms of hot sweaty pubescent kids. Just trying to learn math. Just put them in the walk-in freezer. That just put them all there. And I was then thinking when it's time the, for lunch. They they're already there. They'll warm up the place by the time for lunch. The gym teacher is probably hyped. He's like, "Oh, finally, kids are gonna pay attention in like swimming class and like want to come." <laughs> it's like, all right, time for your second swim period to cool off. Ah, yes, that's the that's the sequel to this edition. Is the functional pool edition. Which our school did, definitely yeah. did not have. Well, we it, it was there, our but school, it was for summer only. It was not a a sport pool. Despite having like a juggernaut of a swim team, Shenandoah Central Schools did not have a swimming pool until I was in high school. We had to swim at Mechanicville, which is the grossest fucking pool I've ever been in. Yum. It's president just. They don't just let you do free swimming in the Hudson. Well, that would be only slightly less dirty. This week, of course, we are coming at you from the one, the only Baltimore, Washington, University of Maryland Medical Center, mm. 
labor and delivery. Uh, I know, Jake. We made a rule last week. You can't talk about your kid on the show. Oh, last week you made that rule? Ooh. We've got a reviewer's yeah. moratorium. No reviews of the Sorry, kid until we, a week we, we We beat you to it. That that <laughs> cut like 90% of my content. <laughs> That's it how is, we know you're a dad. It is funny, though. I was like, man, I got to... Can you? I was like, Kristen, can you figure out if you're going to labor now? I gotta, I gotta go, gotta go figure out if I gotta go see Blue Beetle. <laughs> can you figure this shit out, okay? Because it's like a, I am or I'm not. Well, turns out that I'm not. <laughs> a real G. If you were a real G, you would have pirated it while while your wife was in labor. <laughs> I should have. I really should have put it on the the TikTok story. Like, I mean, oh man, this movie is fucking crazy. Called and in your from the hospital. Ah, it's it's coming. I mean, we really weren't doing anything his first night. He was just alive and like chilling. So I maybe at most I could have maybe like put a noise gate or recorded <laughs> like when he did cry, so I could like go back to audacity and be like, or I could have just left her in the hospital. She's been like, true. fend for yourself. <laughs> I know you can't walk. Yeah, show to do. <laughs> Just walk out right. They give Just you the. Press... They have the birth certificate for you. It's like, could you sign off on this? Hold up. Just press the button. I gotta. I gotta read the fine print on this child. Just, <laughs> just press the button. Nurses will help you. Yeah. Boy. Scroll to the bottom of the terms and conditions. I will tell you though. Nobody. The devil works fast, but the hospital. <laughs> uh, Billing department works faster. Yes. Uh, boy, they well, were... <laughs> Actually, that kid, that's, please that, tell. That kid was that's... a day old, and we had somebody come by and be like, well, how do you want to pay? Cash or card? <laughs> Here it is. Here's your bill. We already got it. It's like... Swipe the baby off, like, like a bar. Did you, a, did you get check out? the infamous hold your baby fee? I... Yeah, did you get skin-to-skin contact $400? <sighs> you know... Nobody told us if that was going to be. I always had it in the back of my fucking mind. I was like, if I have to hold this kid and get charged a thousand dollars to do so, I'm not gonna. I can <laughs> hold him in like two hours. He's ours in like two hours. Okay. Um, this whole skin to skin was for mom only, and I think that was free. <laughs> for free, of course. For free. You can hold your kid for free. Um, after that, the nurse has got to whisk him away. There's really no time. Uh, and I was like, also, you know, go do what you got to do. I'll hold them later. I don't want to take my shirt off in front of all these people. <laughs> I'm too tired to do that. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it was an adventure and I'm a dad now and it's wild. Yeah. You've got a, a tiny human that you're responsible for, for the rest of its life. Yeah. T- turns out. No, not to be too shit. Don't fuck it up. Not to be too cocky. <laughs> I'm killing this parent game. <laughs> like he's crying. I just pick him up. I just shift him. I rotate him a little Get bit. Rotated, idiot. Quiet. <laughs> he's so quiet. I tell him to stop. Stop being a baby. He stops. Yeah, you just turn him around until all the the cries fall out the bottom, and he's at, you know. It's funny. I'm I'm really good at. I'm now I'm really good at swaddling. And I feel like a police officer when I'm doing it. I'm like, hey, behind your back. Because <laughs> you got to kind of like force their hand behind their back and like pin them down with one arm and then restrain them and strap them in with Velcro. 
I'm like, I'm about to get some handcuffs for this baby. <laughs> I want you to, I, you should get as like, you know, you have like what your baby Bjorn and whatever, and you have your, your papoose. You need like a, um, uh, what's the board that they use to uh, stabilize people's spines? A backboard. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Back. <laughs> just strap the kid in. I want... you get, then you start tumbling them around. They would, they would have to hurt themselves. <laughs> Babies don't know what's up. They would pull a muscle. I feel like if they were strapped down. Yeah, oh no! You swaddle them pretty tight, and they're just like. Gotta wait till at least two to get them on the skateboard. <laughs> we yeah. haven't dropped. No, apparently, him yet, he's so a, as you told us, he's like a golden glove boxer. Yeah, he's throwing hands. He's got, he's got mittens on. Well, he's got mittens on because he, fucking day one. Fresh baby out of the womb. He's going, wah, wah. he's scratching at his face. I found out this morning he's got another one right along here. He's looking like the Joker. <laughs> Took a Snapchat of him, like being like, "Why well, no? I got these scars. <laughs> My father was a drinker." <laughs> get that kid. Get that kid a no speed bag right away. Yeah. No, that's what he's got Kristen's boobs for. <laughs> He's speed bagging those speed bags, you know what I mean? Oh, um, and then when you're done, you can put them on on the tray. You can can watch some trailers with your your child. Skin-to-skin contact can be done during tray watch. (laughs) Multitask. Maximize your efficiency. Don't waste a single second. Um... You can watch movies like Desperation Road with your child. Yeah, that's a, that's a family movie, I think. This is. Oh, yeah. This, it's uh, Mel Gibson is in this movie, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I I I'll tell you, I don't have a good idea of the plot, and that's not for lack of trying. Like, so yeah, movies, they're vague with their plot, right? So you don't. Uh, you know, see the whole movie in advance, but this is this is not that kind of trailer. There is definitely a lot of stuff being explained, but I just can't get a grasp on the actual story. It's times like, like these. I moved to IMDb for for more. Yes, <laughs> um, all I know is Lady is like she's in trouble, so she goes to a safe place. And Mel Gibson's there, and he's got a rifle. A southern noir thriller set in tough-and-tumble Mississippi town where a woman and her young daughter are caught in the crossfire when whiskey, guns, and the desire for revenge violently intersect. (laughs) Directed by Nadine Crocker, you know, looking after fairy godparents, and written by Michael Ferris Smith, stars Mel Gibson, Willa Fitzgerald, and Ryan Hurst. This is Desperation Road, and the it's, cover yeah. art makes it look like Mel Gibson is trying to push out a gnarly shit, <laughs> which um, could be very true. We don't know. Yeah, it's it's we'll not outside their own possibility. Out. Yeah, I mean, it looks fine, I guess. Um, in fact, I, I don't really have any strong opinions on it. 
yeah, just reminds me. It gives you know, me Bruce Willis movie energy. Thank yeah, you. that's what I thought when I when I first saw the thumbnail. I was like, oh, wake up, babe. The new geezer te- teaser dropped. Yeah. And uh, but when I when I clicked on it, I mean, it's got some of those elements, uh, like you know the fact that Mel Gibson uh, is barely in this movie from the, the looks of the trailer. Yeah, he pays for he he got paid for his uh, two to five scenes and pieced out as you do. Yeah, and you got all these no names. We got the guy from um, again. We got the guy from Tron Legacy who was in. What was he in last week? Um, um, foe, maybe, maybe. I don't. I have. Was, I honest to God, do not remember at all what we were talking about when we looked him up. Yeah, but he's in this. He for sure is in this, and he is a character. Amazing. That is true. Can you no, tell no that we're not been told super here. enthused about the what this movie entails? See if you yeah, can, see if you can spot uh, the clues. Yeah, I it's, I don't know if it's going to theaters or going straight to Redbox, but uh, it's it's gonna be there. Yeah, which, wherever it be. Which one you want to do next, Kurt? I don't know. You know me, Peter. I'm a big old Swifty. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, an yeah. Eras Tour movie. Eras Tour, the movie, the concert. All right, what's this fucking Ten Eras bullshit? Like, it's all of her albums, I believe. Like, I don't know the Taylor Swift lore. I haven't read the sacred texts. I know. Yeah, I. A little. Bit. I was. I've been completely oblivious to her like blowing up to be one of the biggest music sensations ever apparently like i remember when she was country girl and then she started making pop music when i was in college and i i kind of that's all i know (laughs) so taylor swift is kind of interesting um she has well one she has cornered the market on one of the most powerful voting demographics in the United States, the white female, the white eighteen to twenty-four female. I demo. think it, I think it goes higher. I think this bad boy goes probably up to like thirty-five, 40. right to like the early fifties, and they would be like, "I am a Swifty. I vibe with her music because her music is vague enough to where it just resonates with so many people." Mm-hmm. You know the why they white call her Swift? It's because she never misses. So there, there has been a lot of con- conversation about her, her tour. I, I don't know if the final numbers are in, but her concerts. Say the same thing about Nightshade. Her her concerts are like get leveled up. Are, are like an economy boost to every city that she goes into. It's a straight. Street. Yeah, that's the crazy thing about it. Is like she's impacting mm-hmm. local economy. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's kind of nuts. Um, and the, like the money she's giving out for bonuses is probably like a penny because these. And now, famously, this is the tour that like kind of sparked a lot of the conversation around Ticketmaster and how mm-hmm. they're inflating prices like crazy. Like regular nosebleeds were thousand dollars a ticket um, or more. So this concert, people have been talking about Taylor Swift possibly being like on the level of 
Michael Jackson. This does have the the feeling of a like a genuine cultural like event happening. Um, and the way I can tell you my my personal experience with that, um, front front row in New York City. No, um, my sister. So my sister went to see Taylor Swift. She is a uh, theater, very you know, singer, dramatic, loves music, loves partying, that kind of vibe. Very energetic. Also going with her was my sister-in-law, a very reserved quiet uh nerdy research type girl and they both got dressed up in like sparkly pink glitter and party dresses and went and rocked it out at eras it's an event like you there's like a whole plan to go um like you have to you have to get a um you have to don some attire that is representative of one of her albums by like the color or the theme you have to make friendship bracelets that you like share with other people. Um, there's like requirements to go to this concert, and people are just like down with that. On top of spending crazy amount of money for tickets and merch, um, and yeah, Taylor Swift is kind of fucking amazing when you think about the, the amount of songs she's made, the amount of songs that she's put out, and kind of the adversity that she's overcome with her like. Uh, producer it was a scooter braun was a guy who like took a lot of money from her that she finally got like released from um Which, well she what a goofy i believe scooter braun yeah i believe the situation is basically you know like most people in the music industry when she signed her first contract as a nobody she took a less than favorable deal yeah. And did not have the rights to her original yes. songs, which is not uncommon. Yep. Most of the time, it takes like 20 years for you to get the rights to your music back. That's just kind of standard in the industry. Um, and so how she got out from under that is she just put out covers, essentially, of her own songs yeah. with the Taylor version subtitle. Um, yes. Yeah, so now and, that that I think was what kind of kickstarted her like popularity again, was the fact that she re-released all of her music with like extended, uh, extended songs, her version, this and that, and people went gaga over it. No, you know, no pun intended to Lady Gaga, but um, yeah, and, and also the fact that she's a single like vocalist, she doesn't. So what it's I not mean by her that in a is, band, right? She has well, her yeah. ensemble that she brings on tour, obviously, and she has her backup dancers. But her act is just T Swift, and 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 people are gonna instantly be like, "Oh my god, how could you say that about Taylor Swift?" When like uh, Beyonce is right there, who has like I believe probably a longer career. But you got to look at Beyonce's songs and how many of them have like featured artists that you know make those songs you know another level or those are more and more popular songs the ones that are featured uh with somebody else and taylor swift doesn't really have that like all of her single songs that that pop off are just her not really featuring anybody and she's garnered a massive massive fan base to where ravenous too yeah, like <laughs> they're they're scary folks this, yeah i you may you also may have hit on the um, the exact nature of the final conflict of planet Earth, the apocalyptic final war which will destroy us all if we can't escape the planet, which is the Beehive versus the Swifties. Oh, that'd be nuts. 
if they if they start fighting, it'll be like nuclear war. Within wasn't a that day. the background? Wasn't that the backdrop to Armored Core Six? Yeah. That just dropped, that just came out? I think I think there's too much overlap between those two groups. The, the alternative, because I was also going to say the alternative is if they can work together, um, they may break the entire concept of money with a joint tour. <laughs> It'll give BRICS a run for its money. Yeah. Forget forget Brazil, Russia, India, China, uh, South Africa, you know, the competitor to the USD. Your, your worth is no about- longer measured in dollars. It is in what Swift. position in the in the um, arena your ticket is. That's your social class. How many friendship bracelets you have? Yeah. How much Taylor Swift merch you have? Yeah, I get down with that. Um, yeah, it's uh, so. The, so I mean, the it's reason good why we're they, talking about this is that they're definitely making good that a they made a movie of at least one show or a documentary, and it was like I think it was the last night. Um, in the, the last night that run? they did it um, in in California. So California, I think, was the last place, one of the last later places um, that they did it. Um, and the like, it was the nineteenth place, the last night um, that they went to it, and she announced her. Not only I think did she announce the movie because people were reporting on like a bunch of different like camera um, setups and everything, mm-hmm. but. It was also where she announced that she's releasing her 1989 album or something like that. Or releasing another album. I'm not sure. Whatever. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the Eras tour. It's, I mean, it, it's cool. It'll, we'll see what... It'll, I like know. I said, it'll, I think this is one of those things that'll at least go down as an important cultural piece of the 2020s. Right, this will be one of the things that the 2020s gets remembered for. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how um, it'll be interesting to see how many people go to see this. If it's yeah. like a repeat of um, uh, a repeat of the people who went mm-hmm. to go see her concert, or people who missed out on the concert, and it'll probably be a mix of the both. But I don't know; these movies never usually like do gangbusters in the movies, but. Maybe uh, Taylor Swift will get Barbie to run for its money. Yeah, I mean, what a hell of a, like a hell of a double feature. Um, if you could just you go see Barbie and you see the Eras tour right after, like you don't even have to change costumes. You may even have the it's the uh, the ultimate, um, ex- the ultimate movie going experience if you can triple feature it into Oppenheimer. That'd be nuts. The era's Barbie. You have the Oppenheimer intermission. Like you start with Barbie, Oppenheimer, and you run out of the theater as soon as the bomb drops, and that's the start. You run right into the era's theater. I feel like this is a, a quick turnaround for the concert movie, though. Usually, I feel like it's after the tour is over. Although well, the tour might be yeah, over. The tour, I, I think the, the tour first, is over. The first run of the tour okay. is over. I think she put on oh. some like additional dates. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Like she's just doing it again. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's like weirdly that, uh, if you weren't paying attention, you might not have realized that this tour has been going on for like months, um, in the background of life. <clears throat> so, um, 
the I whole got, summer basically. Yeah. So dates: uh, Friday, March seventeenth, twenty twenty-three, to Saturday, November twenty-third, twenty twenty-four. So from St. Patrick's Day to Thanksgiving, basically of next year. Of next year. That's crazy. Yes. <laughs> Uh yeah, so it's Aero's tour is her most expensive tour yet with 146 shows across five continents. Yeah. Are you sure what, that's not- I mean, I don't I don't care who you are. That's that's some beastly. That's a beastly schedule to to conquer. Um I mean, if any I guess if anyone could I wonder do it, if this is it. Be up like, for challenge, but Well, I don't I don't know like if she's any more equipped than anyone else for that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, it, it is a big tour, and it makes you wonder, like, if maybe she's just going to not make a lot more music after that, because I'm sure she's going to make a King's Ransom on this fucking tour. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I, I feel like it. this was more less of a, like, cum, cum, uh, cumulative um, kind of topper to her career and more like a critical mass of like you have to do it to her at this point um but i don't really know um i guess for for all her fans you hope that she'll keep singing after yeah well i imagine that she's not going to do much for a couple years after being on tour for like a year and a half. Speaking <laughs> of singing, oh, I was ready to move on. Ready to move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, was going to go in a different direction. Uh, <laughs> speaking of singing, uh, you better check out this movie to hear these uh, cars sing in Ferrari. Now, I was going to go also to Ferrari, but I was I was going to make it kind of a, a different segue. Um, regardless, we're here. Uh, Ferrari, the sequel. To Ford, the prequel to Ford v Ferrari. Yeah, I was about to say they they dropped the Ford from the uh, the equation. Um, M driver is Enzo Ferrari is an interesting choice, but um, what the hell? Like Adam Driver, so why not? Yep. He's got the he's he's got the bleach white slick back hair. He's definitely eating some chicken spaghetti at Chicolini's. Yeah. Um, I, I actually like, I like this trailer as a trailer, not just as like a preview for a movie, but as its own thing where, um, they felt confident in like doing something with the trailer that wasn't just clips from the movie put together to entice the, uh, the viewer. This is also, they did, they just didn't include any dialogue in this whole trailer. Well, hardly any. Yeah. There's one, there's a couple lines at the the end. Um, but it's but yeah no it is pretty much just the 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 hum of an engine over clips of the movie edited together to entice you to want to watch it <laughs> yeah um i think this does fall into uh, weirdly this falls perfectly between the product biopic and the historical figure biopic because mm. it's the same word for both yeah it's uh it is betrayed that 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 theory is betrayed by the synopsis, which 
plainly states a biopic of automotive mogul Enzo Ferrari. But yes, like just from title alone, you could make that argument. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. As long as Adam Driver, um, if he cracks one joke in this, cool. If he does his very angry, his angry acting and gets, gets up there with the volume, I'm about it. Those are those are always very enjoyable acting moments from Mr. Driver. Also, Ghouls. I know why they chose him. It's because he's Adam Driver. Yeah, he's a driver. I mean that's that's the obvious yoke. Got him. I'm a driver. I'm a flyer. I'm a driver. I'm a winner. I can feel it. Um, that's I don't Ferrari. know where to go from that. I hope there's a post credit scene at the end where. He, he just sees a Ford car. And goes, grr. <laughs> yeah, we tie, we tie it together in the Cars cinematic universe. You know, it would be a bold artistic decision if, like, when it gets to the point of that race at Lamont in the movie, it just becomes Ford versus Ferrari. It just, yeah. the, the entire length of that movie plays in the middle of that, <laughs> this movie. Easiest fucking money we've made. <laughs> Someone's going to make that cut. Someone's going to be like, Ferrari, but it's also Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah, I can, I've given a memester uh, ammo there, and then like three people will actually watch it all the way through. Yeah. Just like which is about as many people uh, who will who might be watching uh, Saltburn. I don't know. We already talked. We already covered Desperation. I was gonna. That would be better for Desperation Road, but we're gonna we're gonna do it for Saltburn here. Yeah, Saltburn is uh, a wolf, an odd movie. What if Euphoria, but in an English mansion? Yeah, that that is a pretty. Uh... Pretty succinct description. Come the, yeah, come to the fantasy party castle where drama will happen. Ooh, drama. I can't wait. Drama and sex. It's saucy and it's thrilling. You've never had those two together. Two, two great tastes that taste great together. Um, <laughs> I... Yeah. You know, it's, the, it's every... It's every young British boy's fantasy to go to a, a castle in the countryside and, like, do ecstasy and make bad decisions. Yeah, I just call it a Tuesday. Is, it, is that every young British boy? Every boy's single fantasy? one. From, it's very oddly specific. From Stratford-upon-Avon to Avon-on-Stratford. <laughs> well, yeah, this is, how you, this is how you get into your, uh, your football club. Then you get... Yeah. You get uh, you get moved to up your initiation. into initiation. Yeah. All the way over to Thamesley Tershire. <laughs> I know all I, about football, football clubs. I've watched Ted Lasso. Yeah. So I watched the me. first season of Ted Lasso. <laughs> um I don't remember what context I got exposed to this town, but there's a town in Britain called Leicestershire. <laughs> oh yeah, Le- yeah, Leicester. Something like that. Um, and I was like, that can't be what that town is called. That's that's like someone made up a town to make fun of how British towns are named. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I'm gonna see. I'm gonna just look up silliest uh, British town names. Yes, I am about this tangent. Hit hit me with B- it. Bitchfield, Lincolnshire. Oh, that's Bitchfield, awesome. Bitchfield, Lincolnshire. Um, oh, these are all like uh, rude names. Got Cox in Cornwall, Lower Swell in Gloucestershire, Netherthong. Gloucestershire, that's a good one though. <laughs> yep. Uh, the Golden Ball in Netherwallop. Kittlehinton and Dorset. Netherwallop. Netherwallop is the best. Shitterton. Sh- uh, Shitterton's pretty good too. Um, that also sounds like either a porn parody oh. or like a I don't like this parody of Bridgerton. Yep. I found it, boys. I found the <laughs> I found the list. Um, I'm just gonna run these through. 40, 43 charmingly odd British town names. I I hope some of them are the the really weird uh, ones to pronounce, but we'll see. Uh, Upton Snodsbury, Puckle Church, Barton and the Beans, Curry Mallet, Droop, Throop, Plumpton, Lickfold, Warning Lid. Yeah, be careful your baby doesn't get a case of the, the Droop there. Yeah. Or the Throop. <laughs> um, no Man's Land. Throop is very dangerous. I think it's covered in his uh, round of shots. <laughs> droop shot. Uh, uploaders, Matching Tie, Nether Wallop, Polling. Patching, Climping, Diddling, Crudwell, Puddleton. You want to stay away from Diddling. Tall Puddle, <laughs> Half Puddle, Bryant's Puddle, Westward Ho with the exclamation part, uh, Upper Buckleberry, Mudford Sock, New Invention. Is there a Lower Buckleberry or is it just Buckleberry proper? It is Upper Buck- Sorry, Upple, Upper Buckleberry is in West Berkshire, which is south of Buckleberry. <laughs> So it's lower then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Pickle Scott, Marsh Gibbon, Blubber Houses. Marsh Gibbon sounds like a uh, type of monkey. Mamble, Tedstone Wafer, Hose, Hobie, Shoby, Thrumpton, Bitchfeld, Overpover, Wetwood, Wet Wang, Papplewick. Bishop's Itchington, Queen Camel, and Great Snoring. Yeah. None Those of them were... are none of them are like the weird ones to pronounce, but I'm so glad I know about all these now. Like Nether Wallop, I think, is uh the one I'm most thankful to. I'm personally a fan of like Thrumpton. Thrumpton. Or matching tie, which is T Y E. Make, makes me very happy. All right. Okay. What you wanted is what you wanted is uh, counties, I think, because uh, okay, the most northern county in England is is named, and I should you not North Humber Humberland, North Humberland, <laughs> Thumberland. Yes, North Thumberland. Uh, Durham, North. For, oh, Lancashire. <laughs> yeah, this is a good one. Um, here we go. Yeah, the co- UK names commonly mispronounced. Let's see if I could find some, like Gloucestershire, which looks like Gloucestershire. Yeah. Um. That's the, that was the big one. That was Northamptonshire. <laughs> yeah. Not not mousehole, but mousel. 
My favorite, my favorite one, just for sheer pragmatism, has got to be West Midlands, located in the western part of the middle of the country. Not to be confused with Midwestlands. <laughs> Actually, you know There's what? There's a my West favorite... Sussex and an East Sussex. South Norwessex and East, East North Sussex. Um, oh, I, you know what? I am going to keep... Um, where was it? Lower... Yeah, um, where was it? Not uh, upper, 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 yeah, upper Buckleberry. That's the one. I gotta remember that for when I when I break that out in trivia. Upper, upper, upper Buckleberry, which is south of Buckleberry. Norfolk and Suffolk, right? Right above each other. These new Comedy Central comedy shows. (laughs) Yeah, coming this fall. uh, Daniel Tosh. Uh. You the love up, Brickleberry. Now get ready for Berkshire Buckleberry. and Buckinghamshire. <laughs> yeah, That's here's here's your new animated Adult Swim generic comedy, Crudwell. Crudwell. <laughs> it cruds, but it cruds well. Still. All right, let's well. let's talk about yeah something other than That's, cheeky British towns. Um, we'll go into. Uh, you know what? No segue. Fuck segues. Book of Clarence. Yeah. Um. What if Jesus Christ Superstar was black? <laughs> what if Life of Brian, but he knew how to hustle? Yeah. I guess that's a better comparison than Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. I don't know what the tone of this movie is supposed to be because it doesn't feel like an out and out comedy, which the premise would be like, oh, that's kind of what it implies to me. Like, oh, yeah, a guy in I Jerusalem feel like sees the popularity of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and tries to get in on the action. That's a pretty good. Comedy yeah. setup. Um, I feel like this is kind of somewhere it's going to hit somewhere between comedy and, and drama. Probably Much like, like a uh, well, I was gonna compare it to um, "Sorry to Bother You." Oh yeah, yeah. Which is uh, same actor, I think. Yeah, same, same, same with Atlanta too. Yeah, and there's some like there's some like goofy scenes in this, but like the tone doesn't feel that way, you know. Yeah, I think it's just the the music choice, um, more so than anything. I mean, the synopsis kind of makes it seem, well, you know, it, you could play it either way. You could play it straight or you could play it as more of a comedy. Uh, a down-on-his-luck man embarks on a misguided attempt to capitalize on the rise of celebrity and in the influence of the Messiah for his own personal gain. Which is uh, both very interesting and very understandable, considering, like, the actual context in, if you know, in that time or in that setting was uh mr mr christ man was like a a big political dissident and enemy of the state at yeah. that point where they said we can't let him out uh we're gonna let out a murderer instead well you know when a guy walks into a church and has an autistic sissy fit <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, you just crucify them. That's how it was done back then. Yeah. <laughs> He's shoving pigs into into the lakes. He whipped the arms man. He's dropping through people's ceilings like the fucking CIA. <laughs> just wasn't wasn't appropriate. You can't have that in in the Roman Empire. Uh, yeah. Jesus was a big big fan of no knock raids. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's your favorite Bible story? Oh, I know the one where he he repelled in through the skylight um, to gain access to a paraplegic. My favorite story was when he teamed up with uh, Shadow to go rescue some Chaos Emeralds. And uh, that was pretty cool. My favorite Um, was when some, like, poor lady had the audacity to touch his cloak. And as soon as he felt her her poverty fingers on his cloak, he's like, someone touched me. (laughs) And he's like, wait, okay, wait. No, you're you're healed. But I I felt that I saw you. I think my favorite is when he helped deliver pregnant Elsa's baby with Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I remember that. Yeah. I came up on YouTube Kids, I think. It was an IRL uh, actual actual something that happened. Swear um, to God. Swear to me. Oh, The thing about Book of Clarence yeah. that's funny is uh, it is getting hammered on the dislike side. 1.9k down 7.28 up. Um, 728. And it, the comments are are kind of what you <laughs> you kind of expect. I'm so saddened that Jay-Z can actually blaspheme the Bible and people are on board. I hope Jesus returns right in the middle of the movie. Three exclamation marks, crying emoji face. I feel like I'm doing an episode of Internet Comment Etiquette right now. <laughs> um... This one says, what I wouldn't give to get one of the real biblical stories. I'd be so down for a Samson, Absalom, or maybe even give me a Jezebel and Jehu story. I thought we had a Samson movie. It was it had the rock. Because he, he had the, the jawbone of the goat or whatever, and he was like slapping people with that shit. Um, I, I remember it was, it was very ironic. It was like, how are you going to cast the rock as Samson when the whole... Like mechanic of of Samson was that he cut his hair. Um. Well, there is a Samson movie. It does not star The Rock. I think you're thinking of Hercules. Maybe that's um, what I'm thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 2018, starring Taylor James as Samson. Ah, uh, yes. After losing his life to a cruel Philistine prince, a young Hebrew of supernatural strength defends his people, sacrificing everything to avenge his love, his people, and God. Samson, everybody. 4.5 out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> Just top-notch stuff. Powerful. Yep. Big. Um, love it. I'm sure the same group of people that made uh, Sound of Freedom such a hit this year will uh, ensure that this movie is not. Yeah. Um, they probably also won't go to see Rustin. Partially because it's probably not going to be in theaters. But Rustin makes them feel good. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that one. That's, that's good. Um, I am the greatest. Yeah. Rustin, the uh, the 
the secret organizer man the the power behind the power oh love that love the starring the, the uh, puppet master starring truly great you know we we joke on actors names we we lionize we villainize actors names this one's going in the top tier coleman domingo it's pretty that's a strong one it's a strong one that's a contender yep um i think this could this could fit into like the um the, the movie trope of like the the um the story you you know but you don't know yeah. you don't like the uh the hidden figure kind of thing mm-hmm. behind uh behind the big the great people yeah i feel like there's going to be more and more of these out there may uh my real like the perfect joke for this is um to paraphrase brooklyn 99 one of the best jokes on that show you want to know the worst thing about being a black gay civil rights activist the discrimination. The discrimination. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's that's. That's the. the I think you could sum it up just just right there, boys. Yeah. That sounds like a Norm Macdonald joke. <laughs> it very much was structured like a Norm Macdonald. <laughs> Man, early Brooklyn Nine Nine was was so fire. Yeah, it uh, really lost steam after like the fourth season. I think. It's yeah. too bad. And then once it moved to NBC, it was pretty shit. Um, nice. I mean that's that that's Rustin. Yeah, makes him feel good. We don't want to say too much. We'll get I'll make it canceled. Yeah, try to avoid that. We'll come back when it's a little older and we get a little. They can't rustier. cancel us now. You want to cut off Joey Vito from his only means of yeah, that's his that's his sustenance. How's he supposed to survive? Who's gonna clothe him? Come on. Think of the children. Yes. Yeah, what if so like all right, pro life people, right? What if we just canceled the child as soon as oh, they God. came out? Does that work? Well, can, yeah. Like can we do that? Yeah, oh yeah. After they're out, they don't care. What do you mean by cancel? <laughs> Wanna be just, clear <laughs> on what we're talking about here. A, a pro you get you get the word out. You blast him on the front page of Twitter. Okay, okay, or X, as it were. Yes. You um, post birth blast that child on the X site. Okay. Yes, I was unsure if you meant that or like humanely dispatching the child as soon a, as it a post post term abortion, post labor. Yeah, I think the abortion age should be raised to eighteen. Any point, kid's not working out. Hey. Not nah, dump it. You know, just a just a hundred hundred month mm-hmm. abortion. See, you nobody's ever talking about as, that. You got to frame it as uh, an abortion, like five hundred months in advance of the next yeah. child. Well, I was saying this to Kristen because um, apparently in was it, Alabama or something like that. I think um, they're. They're trying to uh, figure out new ways of doing um, uh, an execution because they couldn't do a lethal injection. They couldn't find his vein. So they're trying to get like the approval to uh, do death by nitrogen inhalation. Yeah, do the hypoxia. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, leave it to the most pro-life people to just be like, what if we kill them this way? Is that all right? 
Yeah. We gotta kill him somehow. It's almost as if it's not really the kids they care about. <laughs> exactly. It's the about calls coming from inside the house. The kill. Much like our last trailer this week. The killer. Unless you want to talk about what happens later. Well, I mean, didn't Five Nights at Freddy's get a new trailer that had a lot more stuff in it? I didn't see yeah. it, but we can talk about it. Um, that was the one that yeah. I did watch. Yeah, It had more stuff in it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely more stuff than The Killer. The, I mean, this is another slick trailer. Um, Michael Fassbender is a killer. Ah. And he has ah. he's he has a code that he repeats in his head, so he's definitely not going to break that. Um, nothing's going to change about his character over the oh, course Oh, you want to know the funny story of how I broke my oath as a paladin Baldur's Gate on accident? <laughs> yes. Kill somebody. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm oath of vengeance, so I figured it'd be okay because they were trying to, like, hunt down and kill <laughs> innocent people, well, sort of innocent people. <laughs> you got to cha- channel your Vash the Stampede. You can't kill anyone ever. No one shall die by thy hand. Um, yeah, so this... no, that's not how I operate. <laughs> <laughs> Time to get it. I'm gonna file for a different oath. Um, yeah, this looks. It's a killer movie. It, it looks. Again, the main thing is it looks slick. Um, yeah, it's it's a Netflix movie coming out in theaters. It's one of those. Um, so I'm sure it'll do splendidly at the box office. Yeah. All I can think of, though, when I see the killer and Michael Fassbender is like, y'all remember the snowman? It was a very bad adaptation of like a Swedish crime thriller book starring Michael Fassbender. Um, mm. it, it sounds somewhat familiar. It was actually. super rushed. Like they barely like the schedule was so rushed. They barely ever finished coverage, like basic coverage. Um, so they had to splice a lot of stuff together. It was a t- just a whole clusterfuck of a movie. Ooh, seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, eighteen percent audience scores. Just Brutal. a truly bad film. Here's the critics' consensus, uh, and it sums the- it's basically just repeating what Peter just said: um, a mystery that feels as mashed together and perishable as its title. The Snowman squanders its best-selling source material as well as a top-notch ensemble cast. Yeah, starring Michael Fassbender as the main detective, Harry Hole, which is a bad mixed translation from the original Swedish, which was supposed to be like Harry Hula, which is like Harry Hill. But they didn't say Harry Hula. They didn't say Harry Hill. They went with Harry Hole. As you do. As you do. That is, so that is the killer. The, the hairiest hole. All right. Yep. Do um one sentence uh for <laughs> what happens later. Look, it's another rom-com, but there's a narrator who's a little sassy. <coughs> cool. Don't care. On oh. to the follow-up. <laughs> oh, we, we want to talk about this. FNF. I don't I don't care. I it's got more stuff in it. <laughs> More scenes. Go watch the trailer. Easy enough for me. Who gives a shit? We're an hour in. We can't fuck about any longer. (laughs) (laughs) Time is of the essence. 
I don't want to be up till God knows how long. Uh, Gran Turismo opens weekend 34 at the box office in first place with $17.4 million. So not exactly a strong opening, but uh, good enough to beat out Barbie in its sixth week. Uh, Gran Turismo has clawed its way to $58 million. Barbie, on the other hand, brings in another $15 million in its aforementioned sixth week, um, bringing its total worldwide gross to... One point three four five billion dollars. Um, I think I keep forgetting how much the Mario movie made. Um, but I know we were pretty close. We we're getting pretty close. Yeah, I think it, um, it passed it domestically, not internationally. Yeah, let me see if I can't. Uh, performance, all-time rankings, top lifetime grosses, uh, 14, super, oh, it, oh, that's just domestic, don't, god damn it, give me worldwide. <laughs> give me Mr. Worldwide. All right, Barbie, 17th highest grossing movie of all time, it is a scant 14 million from catching the Super Mario Brothers movie, I think it's definitely going to catch it and pass it. Which is nuts. Yeah. It had just an incredible surge. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. And the, the drop-off uh, per week is notoriously low. Yeah, that was 20.2% drop week over week. That is, that is strong, especially this late in its run. Uh, Blue Beetle. It would seem that the hurricane was not solely responsible for its poor opening weekend because it didn't do well on its second week either. <laughs> no, there was another hurricane. It was, it was uh, in Florida this time. Florida, yeah. So you it's know, still a hurricane. It's, it's the hurricane's all the way down. What were you guys' thoughts of Blue Beetle? I I don't know. My, my interest in it kind of waned over the... Well, it you was can hear about our all thoughts right. on last week's cast, but to sum up, um, yeah, it was, it was all right. Okay. I've seen make, worse. I've seen better. Didn't okay. make a strong impression on me. Okay, cool. In comparison to like, um, some of, uh, who was, who was the, uh, George Lopez, the pretty yeah. good performance for him. Oh, I heard that. I heard that as well from someplace else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, um, as far as like in comparison to other like DC movies, it's on the the higher end of of that. Um, well, that's good. And it's probably other than uh, Guardians, like the best of the superhero movies that's come out this year. Yeah, which isn't kind of damning it with faint praise a little bit, but yeah, it's not a huge bar. Okay. Cool. All right. Oppenheimer finds itself in fourth with. Another $8.2 million. It's opened in mainland China, so look out, everyone. Worldwide gross might, might be shooting up. Um, thus far, it's it's reeled in $788 million worldwide, which, you know what? In, in some ways, I'll say this. If, if Oppenheimer can get past 800 million dollars and even more impressively can sniff a billion dollars 
I would say that's almost more impressive than Barbie making $1.3 billion just because of how much like more adversity this movie has to overcome by its very nature to be financially successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's that it stayed this long is R-rated, a, a testament to uh, three hours to long. What <laughs> mm-hmm. <coughs> well, uphill battle for sure, but um, a, a strong enough movie to to keep the hype train driving. Uh, six weeks on. Um, TMNT Mutant Mayhem finds itself in fifth with a seven point two eight million dollar take down 14.6 percent so that's that's enjoying some strong residuals um it's crossed the 100 million dollar mark domestically um it's 138 million dollars worldwide so that i'd say that did pretty okay for itself yep strays on the other hand (laughs) yeah opened in nine more theaters uh for some reason only dropped one spot um, and not the biggest week on Fill week drop. Space. Yeah. Um, but four point nine million dollars in its second week, it has brought in a whopping total of twenty three point eight nine million dollars. Not exactly lighting the world on fire. Unlike Meg Two the Trench, which although it is down another twenty nine percent and finding itself in seventh place with four point eight million dollars in its fourth week. Um and leaving 470 theaters, it has uh, sharked its way to a $354 million worldwide <laughs> It's taken a bite out of the box office. Although I will, I do want to point out that domestically, this movie did just okay. It made $75 million domestically. But overseas, or in Canada... It's a mega hit. It's Jason Statham and giant CGI animals. Like, it's unstoppable, truly. China gives this a mega yes. You know what? I actually, that might be some of it. This this seems like a very strong play in the Chinese market. Yeah. And then every, there's a, you get a promo bowl of shark fin soup when you go see it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I can't. I, I want to yell at you for being racist, but I'm not entirely sure that that's that's valid there. That's how they that's how they get it's their licks in. They still actually serve it over there. I'm not. I know yeah. they do, but it's. It's like saying, "Did you in America go to the theater get a hamburger?" I mean, Alamo Draft House says, "He says yes." <laughs> Again. This is this is a reminder. So the Chinese Alamo drop. I'm I'm one of the rare anti Alamo people. I feel I think they're hypocrites, and I think their business model is eighty percent okay. The food contradicts the rest of it. Because they're so. I I said this when I was out in Denver. I went to an Alamo draft house. Um, they're all their marketing is about how they're very much about like the purest movie experience, right? That you go there to you know watch the movie, no cell phones, no talking. They'll throw you out. 
and they'll they'll ban you from the store or whatever for all that. But like then I go and watch the movie and there's like a waiter like crawling in front of me to take my order and I have to like talk to him about my order while the movie's going on <laughs> and then he runs out and he runs in with like trays of food and getting in the way of my screen uh to serve me my my food. I was like I know this is what I asked for. <laughs> but this does not match up with with the pitch and the premise of this uh this theater chain. Total scam. Bent the wrist, watch exploded. <laughs> Um, and an eighth retribution opening, uh, to tune of three point five one eight million dollars. But more importantly, Liam Neeson finds himself swerving his way into our spotlight uh, this week. Uh, retribution is doing poorly critically. Uh, five point five out of ten on IMDb. A 26% on Rotten Tomatoes and a Metascore of 43 with a 5.3 user score. So uh, mediocre to bad reviews uh, here from the pros. But as we know, pros aren't people and you shouldn't listen to them. The realest of real are the real reviewers in the IMDb user reviews. The pros are cons. It's true. Con men. A lot of them. A lot of con men. Conan people. Shiftry. I was going to say rubes, but no. That's the the victims. Fleecers. Fleecers. Um, Bin men. Not not honorable. Like uh, a new rag Shetty who has... uh, this to say about Retribution. Gave it a 10 out of 10. A refreshing take on a Liam Neeson action movie. That's a good, interesting thesis. So you defend it. Retribution tells the story of a bank executive named Matt Turner, Liam Neeson. Matt, his daughter, Emily Turner, Lily Aspel, and his son, Zach Turner. I mean, we get their family. You don't have to clip the last name on all of them. No, but did you know that oh, they're a family? Zach Turner. This is actor names. We're talking about good actor names. Here's one for you. Jack Champion. Yeah, that's a wrestler name. Absolutely. Jack. Yeah. I'm going in the ring as Jack Champion. Find out there's a bomb under Matt's car seat. This deadly bomb will explode if they don't stop if they stop and get out of the car. Retribution is a mind-blowing film. It doesn't deserve all the negative reviews. Director Nimrod Antel has given us a movie that strays from the typical ingredients of classic Liam Neeson action project, the likes of which we've seen since the iconic Taken 2008. Don't expect tons and Tons of hand-to-hand combat sequences. The majority of Retribution takes place in the car. The set pieces are fantastic. The suspense is maintained brilliantly throughout the course of its runtime. Liam Neeson is spectacular as Matt Turner. Neeson portrays a wide range of emotions with ease and panache. Lily Aspel is phenomenal as Emily Turner. (laughs) 
Aspel keeps going from strength to strength as a young actress and has a long and bright future ahead of her in Hollywood. Um, this person was writ- is her secret admirer. Uh, I, I think guess. we can conclude that. Jack Champion is outstanding as Zach Turner. <laughs> Noma <laughs> Dewinsky is great as Angela Brickman. And Baff Devitz is awesome as Heather Turner. Matthew Modine is excellent as Andrus Muller. The supporting cast is perfect. Retribution is a much w- must-watch for Liam Neeson fans. Go in with an open mind about what to expect, and you'll have a blast! Exclamation mark. Two did he literally, did they literally just say, come in with no expectations? Uh, Essentially. But, but everyone's brilliant. Um, as their characters, <laughs> so, good. you know that classic character of Zach Turner. You know his essence really could only be captured by Jack Champion, and that's why he's the champion, <laughs> the Jack. champion, <laughs> Jack, champ, champion, the All champion, right. the champion. I got, I got a, I got one, one, one star. So we'll have to uh, bump it up to two next time. But. <gasps> Uh, Jake, we're gonna drink on Jake this actually had to click another tab on IMDb. I know. He's upset. <laughs> <sighs> but I'm not upset because it's only one for each of them, so I, my decision-making was uh, cut short. I didn't have to... No, no Did, think. Didn't no to... think, man. Just how That's he likes That's why it. I excel. <laughs> like the Xavier Stone says, one out of ten, bombing a vehicle for ransom. How unoriginal. My throat's gonna get sore. And this is a remake, which makes it even worse. A writer and director who only have a history of making poor films decide on a remake of a movie that's been done to death already. What? (laughs) This is a totally original concept, and never a similar concept was attempted with Keanu Reeves. There are several scenes which (laughs) are going to make most of the audience cringe and annoyed. And basically all the dialogue from any of the two kids. Liam and his hey, wife. Hey, I have, have it on good authority that Jack Champion was standing as Zach yeah, Turner. Right. <laughs> Liam and his wife have a few scenes, but it's mostly take talking on the phone for the entirety of the film, which makes it even more boring. Not much else that you haven't seen before or can't predict a few plot holes and some terrible police work. Overall, this is a stinker. <laughs> One out of ten. Just annoying to watch. Four out of ten found that helpful. Want that on the soundboard. It's this a stinker. Is a stinker. This one's a stinker. I want to see what he calls a positive review. Yeah. A drinker? Um, a blinker? Blinker. A thinker? Oh, I gotta go back and watch. Gotta listen to all those DJ tags from the guy who did Shadow Wizard Money Gang. They're all so good. Shadow Wizard Money Gang. Legalize nuclear bombs. <laughs> Legalize war crimes. <laughs> Dude, I'll I'll send that over again. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we got this four out of ten from Mister Blue Six. Um, pretty damn bad movie. <laughs> Warning spoilers. Um, I love Liam Neeson. So went in expecting something like the movie, Speed. Instead, got something much, much, 
much worse. I've legitimately never seen a movie with more plot holes. We see the bad guy die in a massive car explosion. It literally shows the shrapnel going through Neeson's car's body a good 20 meters away. As I write this, I realize that the bad guy could have actually gotten away. But then the police say that all three partners of Liam died in the explosions. Did they not check the body slash Rex at all? If they did, they would have realized that the bad guy didn't die. Neeson's character goes to prove his innocence at the end, but literally doesn't. He kills the bad guy and the film ends. IDK how that proved he was innocent at all. Overall, one of the worst Liam Neeson films I've ever seen. 8 out of 14. Found that one helpful. No. I couldn't find someone who loved the movie as much as my last reviewer. Um, so we had to dip down to the 8 out of 10s, because the, the sole 9 out of 10 review was, uh, I think, the uh, unabridged version of Les Miserables, and I just didn't have the time to read that to you all. Um, mm-hmm. So instead, we, we got this from YKJDH. I don't know, YKJDH. There was a joke there that I did not land, and I don't really know what I was trying to go for. (laughs) 8 out of 10. We're not talking masterpiece here, but it's decent. I see reviews where folks are taking this movie way too serious. To each their own, but we are talking about an action movie taking place in a car being chased by a mysterious villain. Who the villain is, something you'll need to find out yourself but at 90 minutes this little action flick won't disappoint Liam Neeson is old and it shows so probably time for him to skip these kinds of movies but he's got bills to pay so here we are the nice little compact action movie delivers on the action the storyline can be far-fetched but this isn't a documentary you're looking at here this gave me a speed vibe with a geriatric dude ignoring (laughs) the hate see this one for yourself 4 out of 12 found that helpful it's probably the most helpful review I've read ever I know, in my they segment. Don't, they don't show up that high up. Yeah. But only 4 out of 12 found that helpful. I thought that was pretty Bump succinct. Bump those numbers up. Yeah, I'm going to rate it. I'm logged in. I found that helpful. <laughs> he's, he's participating. There you go, YKJDH. <laughs> he's broken the prime directive. Oh, wait, there was a problem collecting my vote. <laughs> The prime directives that let me down. I'll um I'll leave it to the council. Do you Could want to get a, fucking um... court martialed in front of Starfleet? Yeah, <laughs> don't worry, Kurt. As long as you save the day, doesn't matter how many war crimes you commit. That's true. I'll just cheat like I did in the Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. Uh, I'll leave it to the council. Do you want a long one or a short one? Um. Make it. A long... And the long one's long. Short and sweet. <laughs> All right. Cool. Sorry, African bro, your uh, essay will have to wait. But he did say it is hotel TV content. Uh, Two out of ten. That's good. Trevor Thoenen. 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 Trevor Thoenen. I don't know. Uh, Worst movie of 2023 so far. Warning spoilers. I, I he did he got he he hedged his bet Homer Simpson style you know yeah. worst movie of 2023 
so far. <laughs> Tell me if this sounds familiar. Guy is trying to drive a vehicle that has a bomb strapped to it. Hmm. It's speed. It doesn't sound familiar at all. I've never never heard of no movie yeah, like that uh, before. It's, it's speed. Um, Actually, it's speed, except terrible. This was a Regal's Monday mystery movie about a week ago, and I only went because I've been to all the others. This was the worst, hands down. <laughs> Can you hit me it, with all the others again, Jay, <laughs> in that voice, please? <laughs> and I have been to all the others. <laughs> This was the worst, hands down. It was lazy, unoriginal, uninspired. It did have its laugh out loud so bad it's good moments, but not to where I would show it to friends for how bad it is. You got to... You got to ove the fact that... Oh, you've Why got to oven the, the oven ov. when you ove out, you've got, ov out the hot food, oven cold eat the food. You've got to ove the fact that how there's gonna be a twist on who the bad guy on the phone is, but there's only like five characters in the movie and four of them are the family. We're following, so that only leaves Neeson's character, best friend. I have put quotes around that because they're, they act like they talked once. They even have the BS fake out death even though you know that person isn't dead in Dude, the slightest. spoilers. He said spoilers. He spent the beginning. Oh, okay. The only really good thing I can say about it was it's short. 14 out of 21. I found that helpful. Fantastic. Um, this last one here is is kind of a recurring staple of of not, not any recurring characters. No, no Hall of Famers in here, but... This has the classic middling review of going off on a tangent about something barely related to the film uh, as we go here. However, from the, from the, from the website that brought you uh, the 4 out of 10, uh, a pretty damn bad movie, comes Sunil Deswani 63642, 7 out of 10, good movie. Um, a good, tension-filled thriller that keeps you, the viewer, involved from start to finish. Liam Neeson, as always, is very convincing in every role, and yet again, he does the same. His movies are always very engaging, and this one does the very same, keeping the viewer guessing is to what, or as to what, hap what will happen next. 7 out of 10. P.S. Recently, I've noticed on a very regular basis, especially in American-based movies and this film, the children being extremely rude and very, very insulting towards their parents for who, for who, for wait, the parents who, for reason or the other, um, seem to be totally incapable and or unwilling to address the matter in the correct fashion. New way of life in the U.S.? Question mark. One out of two. Found that helpful. What do you, what do you say to that, Jake? Is that is that the new way of life? Your children disrespecting uh, you. I I mean I yeah I can't wait I can't wait till Joey gets the the mental acuity to start disrespecting me. Greedy doesn't I even will. call you father. Yeah, yeah what's he up just with that? Screams at me, dude. Expects you to wipe Majorly. his ass for him. Like yeah, come he on, just shits everywhere. So <laughs> fucking entitled. Yeah, these kids. yeah, of Man, course kids. correct, or that kid's going to turn out rotten. Dude, kids these days, am I right? <laughs> what are you going to do? 
You can shake them. <laughs> you could. Yes. This is a PSA to everyone. Everyone, do do not shake a baby. Okay. All right. Do not carbonate the baby. Something. I gotta say something. There is a there is a thin line between when you are rocking them, soothing them. Jake, I want you and, to carefully consider them. your words here. It's a thin line. Like I'm just saying it. Like you, a little bit more vigorous, maybe that's the thin goo goo line. I don't know. I've been smacking my kid on the back for like days, and he loves it. It gets his burps out. I like. I twist them. I contort them, and I <laughs> squeeze his gas. Bring out him out like a sponge. Like basically, he loves it. He's cooing. He's giggling. He's not crying. I don't know I like that to he understands what's happening. Up his child for like travel um, purposes. He puts it in like like one of those vacuum seal bags where they take where they squish all the clothes down. You know what's so funny is that like they they tell you like twenty times in the hospital. When you put them in the bassinet or the crib, alone on their back, and like nothing else nothing in around there, them, yep. you know what he loves to do? Sleeping on my chest, on his front, with a binky in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well the kid likes to do it, so he's yeah. gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you just gotta yeah, discipline your though. child, you just, Jake. You reverse orientation, so he's on your back. He's on his back, yeah. and he's still chest to chest contact. So you just gotta Look, be. On, you just gotta lie on top of the child. I haven't dropped him once. <laughs> you can't. Nobody can say that. At least it's like the it's like the, it's like the uh, Scott Steiner, PD Williams. <laughs> Do you know how long it's been since I dropped my child? <laughs> it's not want. It's not what I want to hear, Scott. Well, here I never I drop my that. child. <laughs> I just heard something hit the ground. Uh, I was wondering. If... So shifting back to the box office, here we have the Hill in knife with two point three million dollars. Talk to me, uh, falling down to tenth with two point zero eight mil. And that's that's the box office. Yep. Um, Mission Impossible out after seven weeks. Um, Bottoms, which I saw a lot of advertising, a fair bit of advertising for, debuting in nineteenth, in ten well, theater. Okay, in ten theaters. So yeah, this is only in ten release. theaters. So we'll see how that does uh, worldwide. How are you getting forty six thousand dollars out of a theater? I don't understand that. That seems a little fishy to me. Um, yeah. Um, Sound of Freedom also out of the top ten after eight weeks. Um, final final box office um, main stage gross of uh, 181.9 million worldwide. That's like twice what the it, well, most of it's domestic, so it like more yeah, than ni- double. Ninety nine and a half of it is domestic. <laughs> like, this is such a worldwide issue. Why isn't it being played everywhere? Huh. Huh? Just asking questions. Right. The globalists don't want you to know. Because other countries don't have sound and they don't have freedom. This true. is true. These are both true facts. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. You ever seen? Like, that. do you know why mimes are so popular in France? Sound doesn't exist over there. And they don't have the freedom to escape their imaginary prisons. That's right. That's the next movie. <laughs> it's it's like our next movie. The strategic mime reserves of France. 
like our next move is to pivot to gaming news, where we're going to talk about some stuff real quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe a five-minute review? I don't know. Have did you finish? Have you finished? You can uh, go. No, fuck no. <laughs> oh, okay. Then I will gladly um, do the do a five minute review. And you all right. Oh. Throw. In uh, your speaking of reviews, Starfield. Yep. The big um, one. Starfield's unlocking, uh, like tonight, I think. Um, reviews are out, and they're not unanimously positive. Uh, IGN. Uh, I believe GameSpot and PC Gamer all have rated it in the 7 out of 10 range. Um, Reviewers um, note that the game is very slow to start. Um, It takes a lot of hours before you're at a point where it feels fun. And the planets feel mostly desolate and empty. Uh, The phrase, a mile wide and an inch deep, has been used in more than one review that I've read to describe its gameplay loop mm-hmm. and uh, or its scope rather and uh, you know so from what I from what I get it's a Bethesda game for, say, for better or worse like the Bethesda special but if in a you, different setting if you Bethesda fanboys will uh, seemingly not be disappointed people who don't really like Bethesda games uh, I'm sure the modding community is enthralled because they can essentially port over their mods <laughs> with probably minimal amount of um, updates. They just gotta, cha- you know, they gotta just switch the addresses. They'll be able to be like, just pack them all in. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of mods are already out for Starfield. The the uh, notably, a lot of the reviews did not harp too much on technical issues um so perhaps the promise of this being the least buggy um Bethesda game ever was not like being the skinniest kid at fat camp and actually meant something which you would think that they would they would really push that like that's the real news there is Bethesda made a Uh a (laughs) tight um, functional game. I'm trying to remember. Was the last like big Bethesda game that came out was that Fallout 76? Um, I think that was I the last it's... Bethesda developed game to come out. Yeah. So there's okay. two arms of Bethesda, and I think that's an important distinguishing distinguished thing to make. Is there's the publishing arm of Bethesda, Bethesda Softworks, and then there's the Bethesda Game Studios, which is the development arm of Bethesda. So there have been a lot of games put out under the Bethesda label this year uh, as publisher, um, but I think this is the first uh, Bethesda Game Studios developed yeah. game for a while. Gotcha. Yeah, because I mean, after after seventy six, it's I, I don't know how you show your face <laughs> and, and you know continue continue like this. Also, just continuing this. Same concept, but expanding on it further. I get it. Like, if your passion is RPGs, want to make a good one. But like, I I don't know about you. I feel like some RPGs have kind of fallen out of favor, and they're leaning more towards probably the more linear 
based RPGs, um, like yeah. uh, like God of War, and some of those new games. Well, um, I don't know if you'd call like God of War an RPG or if uh, uh, I would call it more like of Red an, Dead. an action game. Red Dead, I could I could argue more of being an RPG, and that's not super linear. Red Dead had a you know yeah. pretty sprawling open world. Yeah. Um, and I, I open guess world I w- RPGs are Bethesda's bread and butter, and I mean they're still popular. The Witcher Three sold like fucking gangbusters. Yeah, uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven also sold really well. Eventually, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, eventually, um, yeah. It's just I feel like this is like taking it to an extreme. I I haven't seen all of it, so I don't really know yeah. how. I mean, like how vacant it is of content. It's just. When when their whole premise is, uh, you know, you can explore an entire planet and it is only an inch deep, or some of them are only an inch deep, you gotta wonder is like, is this what the community is gonna really react to and be like, oh hell yeah, we need more of this, or is it like, no, scale it down and refine it a little bit better, and there's your good game. I think like, they would maybe- benefit from that. Uh, Bethesda, I do get the sense is perhaps more than your average game studio uh, susceptible to scope creep. I feel like they often want to make, you know, a ridiculously big game, um, and they just don't have the resources to do so. But the thing is, it's funny, right? Because it's not like they're under a tight deadline. I mean, we've been hearing about Starfield for fucking years. Um. Yeah. Is it bad and that like, I got it confused for a second with Star Citizen? Yeah, probably. I was like, really? They actually, I thought that was like a scam at this point. They were just fleecing people out of that GoFundMe. Um, I was like, oh, wait, no, this is the Bethesda production. Yeah. Um, so um, I will... I will play Starfield eventually, but I will do it... Well, actually, it's going to be on Game Pass, so I don't even have to buy it. I was going to say I'll do it like I do with most Bethesda games and wait until um, it's heavily discounted and patched. But um, I don't know if you can mod Game Pass versions of games, so that might be... Mm-hmm. You know, I'll give, it, I'll give it a taste. You see, the back half of this year has been hard on me because... Like, this has turned into a really good year for games, but they've all come at the back half of the year, and a lot of them are long games. Yes. Yeah. Uh, That that is kind of important to note that this is directly, more or less directly competing with Baldur's Gate 3 in the space for for market share, essentially. Um, In terms of yes and no, uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is a fantasy RPG. This is a sci-fi RPG. And I know that there is a distinguishing audience because I have been asking for years for us to get more sci-fi RPGs because it is a less explored medium. You have sure. a lot more creative latitude with your storytelling because it hasn't been done to death and you don't have as many tropes to fall into. Um, but fantasy RPGs are safe. And so we get a lot more of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, this this is also coming out uh, as the same time as Armored Core as well. So I think that's more of a, it's the next FromSoft yeah. game. 
um, and that has gotten uh, better reviews than Starfield. I don't know if it'll have the same um, like time commitment as um, as Starfield will. Um, I don't really know much about Spart Armored Core. Mm-hmm. You build a giant. I wonder it cool. with a lot so of I customization. Played, it's a very yeah. I played a little bit, and then pretty mindless combat, as I understand. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's a fairly succinct measure of it. Um, but that's the thing, right? So from soft, um, like you know, before Dark Souls, that's what I knew them as was the Armored Core guys, and um, I'm very curious to see if this is going to be more like the Armored Core games of yore, or if it's going to, you know be a more modernized FromSoft game set in the Armored Core universe. Hmm. Got no clue. I just saw this. Um, so over 500,000 people are watching Starfield on Twitch as of seven hours ago. So it's really popping off as like a viewed game. I wonder if that is um, people apprehensive about actually buying the game and they want to check it out first to see people play it see other people's opinions mm-hmm. um, or what uh, I think that's probably what it is um, where maybe we might see this pick up if it is um, received well by the gaming community you know reviewers are one thing and they can really nitpick at like the the mm-hmm. graphics because that was something that early on with just seeing the, the early stuff about Starfield was it, the shit looked like it was Fallout uh, 4 style graphics a lot of but, yeah I see I wonder how fun people are gonna find this to play because a lot of the criticisms even in some of the more positive reviews there was a lot of criticisms of quality of life things like no mini map bad point of interest management um Mm -hmm. a bunch of loading screens when you you know move from planet to planet Um, i've also heard about subpar ux uh yeah just in general across the board I guess in a similar way to other Bethesda games. Again, like I, the general consensus I've heard is that this is the Bethesda special with um, a new setting and um, just, you know, a few different changes for the setting, for that setting, right? Um, again, this is... So my takeaway for this is um, this is a single-player game, and it's, it's out early, so just be... We will. I will forever be adamant that it's it's past pre-order. So you know, we're past that window where say wait till it comes out. Um, I will say if you're if you're torn between Baldur's Gate and um, Starfield, if you have Baldur's Gate already, I would say just play that for a while. Really enjoy that, and by the time you're ready to move on from well, that, well, I'm already installing Starfield, so you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> If you can get it on Game Pass for free, sure, try it out. <laughs> um, but from what I hear, from the very warm reception of um, Baldur's Gate and the cooler but larger reception of Starfield, um, I would, I guess I would say, from what we're hearing, wait it out until they have a little bit better feel of... Um, the whole game. Yeah, experience. if you already have Baldur's Gate, I wouldn't pay full price for Starfield. I'd wait at least until uh, December for yeah, that first for like thirty percent price cut. 
Yeah, it's a single-player game. It's not like you're going to fall behind the competition if you wait. So uh, why why yeah. bother waiting? Yeah. Um, speaking of the Boulder Gate, um, they released their first, uh, I guess their second patch. Yeah, um, patch two came out. Yep, so performance Maybe fixes, that'll fix my issues. <laughs> more multiplayer features. <laughs> and some um, more epilogue choices for your character. So in specific, your typical performance updates, crash fixes, UI smoothing. Um, also in this patch is Wither's Wardrobe of Wayward Friends. So if, apparently, so as I understand it, from what I'm reading, this is if you're playing on your multiplayer campaign, um, but your friends aren't around, you can put them in a little box and play a session alone, um, and then they can catch up later. So this is the this is the functional equivalent of like you know when you're when not everyone can show up to the D and D session, so you have like a side session. Um, so you can throw them in the wardrobe, and then the it also introduces new epilogue scenes for Carlock and some other companion stories. Um, so f- just fleshing out the ending. Um, good patch notes. This is there's already a huge amount of content in here, so um, yeah, I was just, just reading gonna... for the patch notes. Yeah, see if there's. And again, the, you should note that this came a week after the first patch. Well, like, yeah, the first patch, and then the, the hot fix that fucked up the compiler and caused a lot of people to start having instability with the game that they had to roll back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is a, they are coming out of the gate at a fever pitch, uh, which considering the pace they must have needed to put this much content into a game like this means that they're probably still at a slower pace of, um, push, uh, pushes than they were during, um, development. I have to imagine. Um, so they can... I, it makes sense to me that they can push these out at a, at a pretty rapid pace, especially if it's just tweaks, ads, uh, things like that. So who knows if this will be, if they're going to keep doing this for the next few patches, or if, you know, maybe like one more a little later on, and then they'll be able to let it sit for a while. It depends on how many people report bugs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Baldur's Gate's still very... still rocking it very popular this very popular game called Baldur's Gate 3 (sighs) gamers everywhere are gaming all over it I'm having a blast playing it I still even it's nice even when I make a good amount of progression die lose all that progression and then it's like what I just do with an hour of my life you gotta get you gotta get back the old Nintendo save instincts in or I guess not the Nintendo save save instincts because well, I just I guess yeah, there are a few games instance. on yeah, No, that's it's always been like a computer RPG adventure game thing. Um, yeah, you got gotta know where their F five key is, and you gotta hit it every every time. You're like, oh, yeah, F five quick saves. Every yeah. time you remember that that button does that thing, you should hit that, hit button. that button. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, which I, I learned I sh- not to be cocky. You can't be cocky. You think you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I got a good got a good amount of power in my my group. 
And then all of a sudden, you just get smacked with some random Snookered. group that's one level higher than you, and then you just get crunched on. Yeah. yeah. Um, I should ask, how, how is the autosave? Is it pretty generous, or is it stingy? Or is there no it's, autosave? It's not bad, but you're, Here and there. you're better yeah. off. Like, if especially if you want to be a scumbag like me and, uh, you know, re-roll without using... Mm-hmm inspiration uh you'll have to watch a lot of cutscenes if you don't say frequently yeah no. yeah there was there was a time at the um where the emerald grove is there's a lot of dialogue in that aspect and there was multiple times where i just got into weird situations and had a party wipe and i'm like fuck i have to go i have to go back to the trader i have to buy all my shit again yeah everyone's so touchy oh, man just like divinity in that regard you say or like do the wrong thing like you accidentally click on a chest that isn't yours, and all of a sudden the whole town's yep. like fucking trying to kill you. It's like, geez. And you're surrounded by red stuff, and you're like, ah, oh, shit, I didn't mean to. It's also clickable. Um, yeah, so we'll see what the future holds for Baldur's Gate 3 patches and additional content down the line. Um, anything from your front, Jake? Oh, I've been. I've been deep into uh, deep into Baldur's Gate, um, Here. so I don't have any more. I have an, I have news. a tangential story. Um, no. It is this is gaming. This is physical gaming. It's magic gaming. Um, oh, okay. Don't get us down. All right, playing with the, fire. <laughs> the thieves that stole three hundred thousand dollars in gaming trading cards at Gen Con were caught. Oh, cool. um, oh good. Yes, this one. I heard about that. Yeah. Yes, it's kind of a goofy case in that they went for the they went for the steal it from in plain sight uh oceans 11 kind of move except not as suave um their move was to take a pallet that was there and just walk out the door with it act like you belong and all that um however we see the the fault in that strategy when uh people who needed to check inventory noticed it was gone a couple minutes later checked the security cameras, and saw them walking out the door with the pallet with the name of their companies, their game company, on their shirts, on camera, oh, stealing it. Brilliant. Um, so they were, a, a, a again, a board game um, producer, I believe, who was also at the, um, at the con. And they, I haven't seen the actual name of this, the, the uh, store, so I don't know if they reported there, if that's being kept like confidential, but um, they've been caught. This has been, it was about a month since this happened. Um, so as expected, anyone who knows them has, you know, essentially disowned them. Um, their their um, reputation amongst those who know them have just totally tanked and they're expecting police are expecting to be able to press charges um well yeah it's definitely yeah, it's, if three hundred thousand, that's grand grand theft i think yep let's see uh did they say i'm looking at another article here to see if i they have anything about the the company that did it um the perpetrators were um thomas dunbar and andrew pearson or andrew jaume Jump. Um, so maybe we can see what the company is. Let's 
We'll just put them on blast right now. Uh, game company. Okay, so I guess it's just... They're just their own incorporated. It's not like a... Um, the name of a, a studio or anything like that. It's just Dunbar and Jome. All right. Uh, well, sucks to suck. Well, you know, get some people commit don't... fraud and get caught, and some people commit fraud and yeah. don't don't necessarily suffer consequences for that fraud. Yep. <laughs> this is um that would be a great segue, and we're gonna we're gonna. I'm going to shove my entire five-minute review into the parenthetical in between that segue. Um, Just a quick talk about uh, BRC, which I finished uh, this week. I am just going to destroy the pace here. I'm wrecking it. No, I'm I'm angry that you sabotaged my segue when you could have done your five-minute review instead of submitting a second story. <laughs> well, I we usually want to do all... We do the three stories, and then we'll do the review. But no, I'll, you do the review in lieu of your story. That's always how it's been done. <laughs> okay, then I'll save it for next week. I'll tease you. And I'll render this entire... This whole thing is now in earth. Yeah. <laughs> Segway restored. <laughs> You sabotage me, I sabotage you. You didn't hit F5. We have a wonderfully healthy relationship. So yeah, sometimes crimes are, are so dumb they don't they don't have laws written yes, for them. I don't remember if it was Bamani Jones or the the initial journalist, but someone dropped the line in here that I love is that some of these things are only illegal because lawmakers lack the imagination that to think that anyone would try to do some of these things. <laughs> yeah. I'm sad um, that I lack the talent week, to come up yeah. with this. Our feature this week, to be clear, was BS High, the story of the uh, fraudulent um, football team from that Bishop famously got dunked on on national TV. Yes, they somehow found their way onto ESPN during the pandemic and... Um, were so woefully mismatched to their opponent um, and so like clearly under-equipped and under-funded that it prompted the commentators to like apologize and admit that the network had been duped. That's caused, <laughs> a, it caused a statewide scandal. Yeah. Um, so and this eventually is spawned the, uh... this documentary to try and investigate or at least shed some light on... What yeah, happened? this this has been in the making for a while. Um, you know, closer to when this happened, a lot of like YouTubers put out, you know, their their stuff on this and, you know, with the information that was available at the time. This is a little more thorough than the most of those in terms of outlining the history and uh, you know, minutia of what went on here. And it also uh, had an advantage that those other projects didn't, and that was first-hand interviews with the major players, including one uh, Leroy Jones, who is uh, at the center of all this. He's the con. I can't believe the con man. I can't believe he agreed to do that. Like, I just go right on and say so much. It's so that's it the thing. Like, if he ever finds himself. Uh, in a courtroom, like whoever his counsel is should not allow him to take the stand because he is so easily played. The documentarians played him like a fucking fiddle. They got everything they yeah. wanted out of him. 
It's <laughs> seriously a combination between the uh, yeah the setup of the documentary, the um, the style of it, and his strategy of seemingly um, trying to I guess head off criticism. Um, in an Admit attempt to like fault, dampen it, but at the same time question how bad the action really was. Yeah. Um, yeah. that's the most apparent thing is like getting to see his personality throughout this entire thing. And, um, it's very apparent, uh, that, um, he's, it's, it's not a good character. Uh, he does not, <laughs> not have great character. Uh, specifically, it was very interesting to me to see Darvo play out in real time on camera. <laughs> like that's literally like towards the end, like he starts out trying cordial and trying to be like, uh, this is like a Robin Hood story. They kind of set it up like that so that they can pull the reverse later where, you know, he's he's giving these kids a chance. They're coming from bad homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're, he's letting like, them play. Like, I'd say the vision of Bishop Sycamore or COF uh, at the Genesis was a noble vision. Sure. Um had he actually been interested in going through with that vision, perhaps some good would have come of this, but he definitely did not have the funding or expertise needed to to do this proper, and he wanted to take shortcuts so he could get to the grift of where people gave him money. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. There, there's, so, there's so much that, like, is is so... And, and I, I hate to, like... I don't not I don't want to stereotype things because um, it's been stereotyped enough. I mean, the, well, the kids that he recruited are all like fatherless um, black kids from broken homes that have trouble there. By so their own admission, your your first thought is like, where were the parents? Parent in all of this to be like, hey, you know, this shit don't smell check right. Check up on this guy. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. like if some guy with a silver tongue came and said, Hey, I got this once in a lifetime opportunity. Come play football. We'll take care of his education. No cost. To you guys we will house him, feed him, mm-hmm. get him off the streets, make sure they have help with their ACTs. You know, the whole nine yards, just a sweetheart deal. And, and the kids got to be like, I'm good. I'm not that good. Yeah. Um, it is, it was and, a parent. I was going to say that some of the parents, once they kind of heard what was going on, Seem they cotton on pretty quick. Like, um, uh, who is the guy with the dreads? Um, I don't remember any of their names. Let me, let me pull up the whole cast. Oh, um, there, there was the quarterback. There was the guy with a weird name. There was the big guy. Um, and I think it, it was the guy with like the. It was the kid Pahuki with the, or something. Pahuki, like that. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, where yeah. his dad was. It was either him or the guy with the tennis shirt. Um, where he's like, we talked to his dad after they were. Uh, at one point, they have to sign PPP loans so they can like daisy chain their funding further. And as soon as he talks to like his dad about it, like dad's like, "Get out of there! Like, do not, yeah. you yeah. know, discard that check. Get rid of it. <laughs> you're doing, and you're doing a fraud." There were some signs, which I mean, I think they happened way too late. Where, where the where Roy Johnson was like making them feel uncomfortable in things that they were doing, you know, getting evicted from hotels. Um, Beating up a homeless guy, you know, just just shit that make would make a kid or or you know, these some of these were twenty year olds feel uncomfortable. 
and sure they called their mom and and, and they probably were like what, what do you mean and i think i think the really telling point was the fact that the reason why they probably didn't step in sooner was the only thing they were probably concerned about was they're getting their education and none of these kids were going to go back to their parents and say oh no actually they said we didn't have to go to school at all we're in no classes this is awesome we get to just yeah. hang out all day play mm. xbox or something and go to football practice that's it we hate school so why would we rat on ourselves and put us in a shitty situation yeah yeah and and that's what they probably needed to get their parents attention in the first place yeah um side note i'm trying to i'm trying to find like the list of interviewees on this and they're not in on the imdb like the cast and crew are the people who produced it um, mm. but there's no, I haven't seen an easy way to like find the list of who they I all mean, talk to. I mean, if you just, I'm, I'm Googling Bishop Sycamore football team. Mm-hmm. And I, they talked to, so they, yeah, they talked to a lot of the, um, kids on the team. They talked to obviously coach Johnson, coach Johnson. Uh, they also talked to the assistant coach, the previous assistant coach, um, the coach at I, uh, IMS, IMG, um, IMG, which was the prestigious, legitimate football uh, school, football academy that they played. One of several. Yes. But yeah. Um, and it's it's they're very much more well spoken, um, coach, and then a person who worked for the sports the the uh, Ohio Sports Association who was doing the investigation on all of this. Yeah. It, uh, well, the, uh, the investigator had, had come to the attention, like Bishop Sycamore had come to his attention long before they made it on DSPN. And he had written the story and he was trying to get people to run it or, you know, it, it wasn't gaining any traction. And then once the game on ESPN aired, he started getting all these calls. He's like, "No, fuck you! You didn't run the story when, when, when I first was, uh, yeah, you could have gotten it. on this." Um, yeah, the uh, I was okay. Yeah, I, was, I want to talk about like the documentary itself for a little bit. Um, they were very much they very much about like um, the direct complimenting cuts so they'll take you know a statement he said and they'll just immediately follow up with um the contradiction you know the the uh, other perspective on it which yeah. was good it's a good way to like immediately sort of call that out um which i don't see in a lot of other documentaries so i think it was a fine move like especially at the end where they show him they show johnson the footage of the students interviews that they took earlier um yeah. i don't know I always get skeptical of like how much did they stage, how much is genuine, um, yeah. And that one felt a little, a little staged, but um, they, the reaction that came out of it seemed uh, pretty, pretty strong and un, uh, unscripted or anything like that. Pretty uh, from uh, Johnson's heart there. Um, I would have. It's, you know, pretty well produced, good standard kind of editing. Um, if I want, if there was anything I wanted to add to this, I feel like I would have wanted like a, a narrative device, I guess. So like a narrator or 
a framing, you know, a framing device. Like you, if you start from, maybe start from the game, or you don't, t- you don't tell what happened at the game. Like you just talk about like, you you tease it and then you lead up and you use that as the as the climax. Of like, I don't know if I agree. I th- I think I pre- I would I prefer the way it was structured to to something like that. Um, I think they kind of did it in a smart way where they start with Leroy and, you know, the first segment of the interview with him that they show is him presenting his pure vision for what Bishop Sycamore Mm -hmm. was supposed to be. And you kind of like get drawn in. You're like, okay, so like, he was a well-intentioned guy, but but it went wrong somewhere. What what went on? And then, as they continue on, you start to hear from more and more people, and you get a more and more complete picture of who this guy is. And then they show some of the more unhinged moments of his interviews, where he gets more defensive, and you know admits to to culpability in some of these schemes and scams. And by the end of it, you see him for who he really is. I do, I do appreciate that. That I think that's competent documentarianism. That um, they take the the more like, I guess not the juicier, not juicy, not spurious, um, but the the more intense sort of anecdotes, and they save that till you're hooked uh, to start bringing those out, so that you can really continue to escalate. Um. But to me, I, I feel like it would have, I would have been really like surprised. It would have been an excellent twist if they just talk about, the, they, they tease the game and then they finally like show and show what actually happened. But then again, most people know the game it's, before they yeah, know the it's story. Not about, it's not about the game. And I think they figure that anyone who is watching this has seen the game or at least knows about it. Um, but then there's other stuff that I didn't know, like how they played a game two days prior to that game, mm-hmm. which is yeah. not, not good. There's a reason that, you know, football games are usually once a week. Um, it's not like basketball or baseball where, it, you know, you're not, they're physical games and they take your toll on, take their toll on the body, but you're not getting hit every play in those sports your body doesn't have to recover as much Mm -hmm. i also i i've I've been thinking about this also since it uh since i watched the uh documentary but um part of me wanted to so at least to some some illustration of the like the quality of this team in which they do show some of the blowouts um but you know football being a a sport and sports being consumed by stat heads um there was an opportunity probably to go into like some good comparisons to show how in in probably a lot of aspects they were uh underwhelming you know in all areas of the game but then again then i thought about some more and i said well the whole like the drive of this is not to uh denigrate the actual players um it's about uh, Roy Johnson and his... it's yeah, it's more about the people than it is the football. Like there, right. there is the football angle, and there are there. Like I said, there are a lot of YouTubers that have done this, and you know, 
probably look at it from more of a football perspective of you have these these people who yeah. weren't quite good enough to cut it at the next level uh playing against being scheduled against the the you know most dominant high school teams in the country not just IMG they played like a lot of teams that were you know from prep academies or just like regional high school powerhouses they they had an insane schedule like going all over the place to play all these different teams yeah and <laughs> that they had and no I, business doing any of that. Yep, I feel like if they if they had if they were able to, they would have gotten like there was there was kind of a hole. I feel like where they could have included like the training regimen and the practices that they would do, and you know, to kind of illustrate again how like probably underwhelming they were because they definitely went they went to the living quarters, the lack of um, education supplemental education to support them uh as as student athletes right um talk yeah. about the cost of it you know a lot of the the things about that program but it, and again uh roy says this as much like straight up he's like yeah we didn't really have like practice like a, a planned practice yeah so, and like so it's like he can't, there's nothing to work with because on his face he even says like there was we were not yeah, working he admits anything. to not being a coach. They took playbooks from Madden. Um, you know, like, yeah. they weren't getting an education, and they certainly weren't getting, like, a football education either. So, like, this mm-hmm. did them no betterment. And in the case of the quarterback, it kept him from going to an actual school with, like, an actual coach who, you know, coached in the NFL and probably would have been a good good person to have in his life. Um, But because of the legal complications with him having gone to Bishop Sycamore, he wasn't able to attend the school. You know, his chance at a college education. (laughs) Yeah, it almost, you know, and they definitely frame it as like, as the college almost treated him as a perpetrator instead of a victum. Um, Yeah, yeah, that, that was what I, I mean, I don't know if maybe the documentary should have like, uh, pose that situation a little bit gentler because um, it definitely did seem like he was getting punished for doing that. But, you know, it, it definitely is more so the fact that that school has to yeah. abide by certain requirements and they just don't have... Yeah, they contextualize you know, it school. as not, you know, they wouldn't have the resources to research and litigate all the stuff that would be required for him to go there. Like, you know, yeah. not necessarily that they they felt he was wrong for having done that, but, like, there are rules, like you said, that they have to abide by. Um, and it was an interesting contrast to see, like, that they highlighted that there in the, in the main portion of the documentary, but in the where are they now kind of segment, they did show that some of the other players did successfully get into college programs. Yes. Uh, like, at, I believe at Louisville. Right, a couple of them got into Louisville. Uh, yeah, they got onto some pretty decent schools too. Um, yeah. Um, that was, I mean, that was a nice consolation. See, most of them landed more or less on their feet. Not all of them. Yeah, sure, the, most of them did okay. Uh, some of them are still, you know, trying to live out that dream. Um, one but of them again, became a SoundCloud rapper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> made his album about the experience um 
but again, yeah, the crux of this was that interview where um, he just he just looks so he looks uncomfortable. Um, he had the crazy eyes. Yes, I feel it was like. the very the Isn't strong it? open eyes, um, the forced smile. Um, yeah. The yeah the full on stare. He right. definitely has the look of someone who, after you shake hands with them, you make sure you still have all your fingers. Right. It well, came off to me. Yeah, it came it's, off it's, to me as like manic, almost. Manic or sociopathic. He, ha- like, he, he has, has some no empathy, sort of no personality disorder. I am not yeah. qualified to diagnose him as a narcissist or if he has like you know BPD or some shit like that. I don't know. Hmm. Um, the craziest part in the end was like he's like, "Hey, next year." more and more kids are going to be looking for online schooling. And guess what? Bishop Sycamore's not going anywhere. Round two, baby. It's like the Fire Festival, dude. Mm-hmm. Like the guy who put on a Fire Festival yeah. went to jail for I it, s- came out doing a second one. Yeah, I, I, sense, oh. I sense that he's the type of person that like, like I feel like he felt pushed and like he's just, doubling down now like when they get in battle they just dig in deeper and be like well you know fuck all you i'm gonna do it again i'm gonna do it anyway you can't stop me i mean yeah and again he's like he's his it's part of his strategy is like if maybe if i'm honest enough about my motivations that'll cut me some slack um because he even says as much where he's like you know they say you know that song you gotta know when to hold him know when to fold him um i don't know i never fold him I always, I always push. Um, so definitely like the, you know, uh, delusions of grandeur, you could say, like a demonstrable lack of shame um, or remorse for his actions. Yeah. And it, it, again, like you can see it when they show him the footage of like the kid, the uh, the students talking about the impact that this, his coaching tenure had on them, you know, his immediate response is like, fuck them kids. They're trying to like, um, dis, you know, uh, sla- not slander me, but like, you know, um, assassinate my character essentially. And he yeah. turns it around back yeah. on them. Like he tries to turn it around back on them. It's like, you were the one who came to me. You know, you were the one who did this. I, I gave you a shot. That's like, that's textbook, textbook Darvo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah victim blaming. It wasn't yeah, my fault. Like- and it was actually your fault. Because look at you you made me do this. He's like, look at all the stuff I, I did for you guys. Like I I allowed you and to share helmets. Checks out ten thousand percent that he'd be a domestic abuser. Oh, like yeah. that was oh. the least surprising thing in this documentary look when they started talking about do. him hitting his girlfriend. I'm like, that yeah, that checks. That tracks. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's yeah, fucking crazy. He's a he's a monster and he should be stopped. But the craziest part was in the end, Ohio was like, did the most Ohio thing and just released a 79-page document saying, yeah, what they did was a scam. They scammed people. Um, they played football terribly, but what they did was all technically like legal or not so illegal. So because Nothing they register as a liable. faith-based school, yeah. they were not subject to regulation by the Ohio School Board or Athletic Commission, which you that know, seems like an oversight. I'll stop 
I'll, I'll stop short of going on a full atheist screed, but this is, this is why I think it's stupid that churches and other religious organizations have all these benefits and exemptions. Cause even if you, oh, even yeah. if you aren't someone like me who believes that, you know, many religious institutions are not acting in good faith, having these policies be what they are and, you know, having freedom of religion be as strongly protected in this country as it is opens the door for bad actors like Leroy Jones mm-hmm. to come in and abuse the system. And they do. And it's it's just, you know, is it really yeah, – is the juice really worth the squeeze on having all the these – It's heady mix of kind of lax regulations on charter schools and strong protections on um, – on religious bodies, it it makes like a perfect storm in this case, and yeah. makes a really high profile case. Um, but they yeah. do get they yeah. get into at the end where it's like this is this is definitely they talk about this is a symptom of of systems yeah. that allow this to happen. The the incredible importance that high school uh, football uh, takes in communities. And, and the, the lives of some of these men, yeah. The lucrative resources that accompany that, um, yeah, because they they throw shots at IMG. They're like, look at look at IMG, and how they do good stuff. Everything's above board. Like, they're not saying that they're bad. They're clean. Mm-hmm. They're great at football, and they provide an education. They do a service, but they do that service while taking advantage of children, and. They, you know, they get some free clothes. They get Mm. a good education, but you're still putting, using their bodies and using their, um, their work, um, as your, as your, uh, product and they're profiting. See also NCAA hand over fist, uh, controversies. It's a, yeah, it's the same, same thing as NCAA. They did. Well, I mean, the NCAA did the right thing, and now NIL sponsorships are available to students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, again, that's the that's the the way forward. Um, and until you know, as these are other things that need to be that will always have a risk of happening until um, I guess high school sports move for, moves forward in the same way. Um, yep. In you know, in a number of areas, right? Not just um, student compensation. Yeah, and um, like they they talked about some of the other like dark sides to things like IMG, where you have people who you know find players for these academies and are paid handsomely to do it, and the whole thing is kind of like sketchy, where you're like going to these random games and you're scouting for talent and then basically selling them to IMG for a fee. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had, so like, I guess for, we'll throw some personal context in here. I don't know what's, what division were your guys' schools? Like, of course this is all, this is all occurring in the high school oh. division one sphere. One double A, I think. I think we were a double A school because of our size. Yeah. yeah, we were, I think we were somewhere between double and triple A. Um, again, lo- low division. We were essentially we had enough to field a a fifteen uh, man uh, football team, and then um, now my school is and the schools around it in the area do eight eight man eight aside football. Um, 
so it's not large programs. Um, no. Sports were not huge in my in my high school uh, community in my career there. Um, the town nearby Ithaca, right? They have a Ithaca College has a uh, sports education program, right? That's one of their big offerings. So the Ithaca Bombers are are a pretty big school, um, relatively speaking, in terms of yeah. um, football. Yeah. And of course, Cornell is in the same area, and they have just based because of the sheer size of that college, right? They're going to have um, yeah. Where I grew up sports programs a high school football i mean it's not like it is in texas or florida where like yeah. you know you're packing massive crowds in but like it's not it's not like nebraska which as of this week's uh cast uh recently had a ninety-two thousand attendance at one of their what seemed that was a college game but um still like they packed an entire stadium for just an intercollegiate game didn't i don't think it was a championship game I don't know. Is it was a rivalry game? Yeah, there's got to be some. Yeah. Well, I assume it's a rivalry, right? Because it's an in, it's another school in the state. Because yeah. they were playing Omaha. Yeah. Clarence was a Division A, with a pretty big class size, but maybe we were biggest. A two. Mm-hmm. Well, it's I, I looked up the division um, like rankings. Yeah. It's if your if your class size was like. Oh, this is, oh, for football. Um, <coughs> what? That's that's a lot. Six sixty-five mm-hmm. to one thousand twenty-four. Yeah, I guess the point. Um, that might be total total like um, age ranges yeah. or some of that. I guess the point I'm trying to get across is I don't think any of us were in a high school culture with the reverence bestowed upon um, high school sports that is displayed that is on display here. No. Um, no, yeah, definitely um, not, not like an IMG. Yeah, not not quite to that level. I mean, obviously, high school sports were popular, and, like, the mm-hmm. y- you'd fill the bleachers because there's a lot of kids. You know, they go to see their friends, and, you know, the parents go to see their kids. Um, yeah. And, you know, you know, a lot of local, like, the local news would highlight, you know, student athletes and stuff like that. Show highlights, so it had you know importance in the community, but no, it's not like mm. some of these towns in Texas where high school football is both love and life. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'll also throw out the disclaimer here that, um, you know, the that map where they say the highest paid like uh public profession in each state is right, and uh, New York is no different from a lot of other states in that the highest paid uh profession is like college uh, football coach. Yep, so they get with, paid a lot of money. Yeah, but in our context, um, yeah, we don't, we did not have, I did not have the experience of having the town, you know, the um, the school board lobby for millions of dollars for new sports facilities. Uh, we did not have our arena was bleachers and a track and astroturf, right? Um, yeah. So it's a world that. I'm a little divorced from, um, so it's it was very interesting to see all the the things that come along with it, like the, the very the very slick dude with the suit and the and the giant pinky ring, who's like whose whole <laughs> job was like to coordinate all this stuff, yeah, and just hook up IMG with with games uh, and high schools to play. He's a fixer, yeah. <laughs> 
And it's what seems to be, again, a very well-to-do job for what is, um, to reduce it a little bit, the schedule writer. Well, I think it's just kind of crazy how, like, you think about the the NFL and the earning potential there. And because of that earning potential and like, well, actually, you know what? Less because of that earning potential and more because of like how fanatical division one, uh, like football fans are, especially alumni of the school who are, who become wealthy and become boosters for the programs. Like that's where all this money comes from. That's why things like IMG exist is to find the top talent at the high school level and cultivate it so that, you know, all these boosters kick, you know, their dark money around to get this kid to go to, you know, X, Y, or Z school that they went to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's it's a pretty, I would say, honestly, on on the macro scale, it's a pretty calculated risk reward where the amount of money that top players are making is incredible. Um, a, an amazing, astounding amount of money going out there, but the writ, you know, the chance of that is so low um, that it, it, the the value is so high and the risk is so low that it actually probably still is only um, a little under. Like they're only val- overvaluing these kind of programs and these kind of opportunities by a, probably a lot smaller margin than you might imagine. Right. Well, it, yeah, and even it's, if the chances are slim to none, and you're going to spend thousands of dollars to send your student, your kid to a, a sports academy like this, like it's probably yeah, and it's a little easier uh, in college at the college level, going from high school to college, right? Because there's so many colleges, even in Division One football, mm-hmm. you know, and there there's a bunch of different conferences, and some are you know more competitive, some are less competitive, but they're all they all have fanatical fan bases and they all have you know roster spots to fill so even if you're not like a tippy top five star recruit you can still go to a school on a full ride scholarship and i think that's the real benefit that the parents see is like if they can get a full ride scholarship for football you know that's a huge value that's like 200 grand worth of value there at least um and when you have a lot of to, to walk, when you have a lot of wealthy people who are motivated by nothing more than wanting to see their alma mater uh, crush it. <laughs> yeah. So you, yeah, it's again, it's a perfect storm. You have a lot of value and a lot of money going into the system, combined with a lack of of serious repercussions, essentially established by uh, a a lack of um, precedent. And right. if it all feels a lot like human trafficking, because it is kind of like human trafficking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just ship them out. And, yeah, because they, they don't stay at home. They they probably stay like on on campus. Like yeah, I imagine uh, it's like a boarding school. Yeah, boarding school. Or in this case of, of uh, Bishop Sycamore, in uh, hotels Hotel. <laughs> where they don't where he doesn't pay his bills because he does the the. Donald Trump Bill Daisy chain thing <laughs> fed fed with two dollar uh, rotisserie chickens from a grocery store that he fucking conned. Yeah, it's- Com- no, I, and on some levels, I do respect the hustle. Like, I mean, that's smart. He knows the game and where mm-hmm. to pull the strings. I mean, the very fact that so- he, he's gotten out of having to pay so much, so many times. 
um, that's I th- that does require a bit of finesse. Like it's it isn't just automatic that if you just ignore paying people, um, that they won't come after you because yeah. people have gotten a lot of heat on them for for less money. Um, but if you know yeah. how to play the game, I guess you can really d- drag that out and daisy chain it. Whether it's FedExing or Kinkoing uh, checks, fraudulent yeah. checks that you know are going to bounce, Man. or hiring a lawyer to defend you against not paying your bills and then not pay him so he sues you. Um, it was it was so heartening sp- to me to see that even though because there was no criminal um, laws that they broke technically, um, that in the where are they now section that he did take about what three hundred thousand dollars owed in civil damages yeah he's yeah. he's taking a bath in civil and fraud. yeah and he's eventually it's gonna catch up with leroy well um i think so. especially after he got was that that other that last slide where he got arrested trying to steal like petty theft from a best buy to what the fuck i don't I, and then he's Again, just it's, like, "Hey, it's, it's what? the lack of shame. Ready? Just, they... I'll just get away with it. I'll just keep going. They haven't. They stopped can't me yet. keep me down. Did you steal that thing from Best Buy? No, that wasn't me. But yeah, that was my it. alias. Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, this is my this is our perverse takeaway from this and from a lot of things that we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, if you have a modicum of skill and no moral compass." Uh, just be a, just go be a grifter. Like it's the easiest money. A lot of if money to be made in grifting. You can really, you can really oh, leverage yeah. medium, uh, just really mid skills into a lot of money, and you ride oh, it yeah. until someone calls you out, and then you stop that, and you get to keep the money. <laughs> unless yeah. unless you really fuck it up. So that's all you got to do is yeah. not really fuck it up. Yeah, don't don't really fuck it up. Don't break really Which, big laws. Again, really fucking the person. And in this case, apparently, really fucking it up does not include uh, running over geese, uh, domestic abuse, child <laughs> abuse, <laughs> any of these things. No. Yeah, he was really careful not to get like child abuse cases, because like, goddamn, that would have been a, a surefire way to catch a charge. Mm-hmm. Pros of having most of your players be over 18 yeah yeah oh true yeah. i didn't even think about that jesus christ it's not even child abuse because they're not even 18 uh so dumb yeah. jesus Dude, that's so, what i say like on every level the man like it, i know he fell ass backwards into it because i don't believe he's smart enough to plan it out so meticulously but like on, even and again that's one of his admins he says as much where he loved. He was very fond of that quote from the A team, where <laughs> yeah. he just just puts Jerry rigs a plan together from from whatever he can find. Very yeah, he had in that he way. had a lot of like media, weird media, a weird collection of media references. Um, I think he he thought it would make it more relatable, but it just kind of, it's just an odd collective of things that I wouldn't expect a man such as him, himself to to really no. partake in but uh, um i guess this is a this is also a review not just a discussion would i recommend this uh yeah it's a pretty say. interesting story 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Just, it's not very it was, long. It was uh, engaging yeah. enough. Yeah. As with any documentary, um, uh, keep your keep your critical eye open. Think yeah, remember it, it is. It. You're watching what the filmmakers want you to see, not necessarily the whole truth. But um, I don't really think they. I don't get the sense that they altered too much here. I think they they just knew how to poke the bear and get all the information they needed and said, here you go. Mm-hmm. Had some pundits weigh in on it. And yeah. Bob's your uncle. You got a documentary I, film. I do want them. I don't know how yeah. many other documentaries they've done. I want them to keep developing their style because they've got a little bit of seed of like a Louis Thoreau kind of thing going where they can, you know, good a good documentarian skill, which is just let, you know, don't interrupt your enemy when he's making a mistake. Yeah, let him cook. Um, only, and they did, yeah, they basically let him cook for a lot of that. The only departure from that, I think, was um, when he, when the interviewer went out to talk with uh, Johnson when he left, when he walked out, uh, yeah. when he was in his heat, instead of um, maybe, you know, I, I'm sure you wanted to jump on that opportunity, um, but the option was also there just to let him talk and leave the mic on, leave him mic'd. Yeah, so it's kind of what I thought they were going to do. Like, are we done filming? Yeah, yeah, we're done filming, but the mic's still hot. Yeah. <laughs> and, again, that speaks to um, Johnson's savvy, <laughs> savvy or lack thereof, <laughs> that you can, he was very easily able to be uh, tripped up. Yes. Yeah. Um, makes you wonder how he was so successful in his grift, but, you know. yeah. So I would say lovely. yeah. I would right. say especially if you're into sports documentaries, this is a good and solid entry. Yep. Would I pick it up yeah, out of the blue? Not necessarily. Um, but if you're familiar, if you're familiar with the story, if you're familiar with high school football, if you're familiar with professional football, uh, um, <laughs> sure, give it a shot. It's an hour and a half. Um, pretty pretty straightforward kind of watch. Yeah, interesting story, well-produced documentary, real sociopath, checks all the boxes you want in a, uh, I guess this would technically yeah. be a true crime documentary when you yeah. really think mix about it. it. Your, mix it into your girlfriend's true crime rotation. Yeah. This is one you can you can bond with your girlfriend This is, this is one for the both of you. Something for the guys. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. All right. A little something and... for everyone. I think that's uh, I think that's just going to about do it for episode three two of the Siren Studs podcast. Until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's nineteen ninety five. Peace. Bye bye.